Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. And welcome again. My name's Brian. I'm the care pastor here at the church. And as always, it is wonderful to see each one of you here. Thank you so much for coming out, especially since I know many of you have been sick. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands because people start moving away. But, <laughs> you know, this this evil microbial sludge kind of invaded and uh, took over a few of us for a while. I have to say that neither Tonda nor I got sick. And amen to that, exactly, because when I get sick, she threatens to get a hotel room. But... I, I attribute it to two things is, is one, we both take, you know, multivitamins and, and we're good about that kind of stuff. But because of our work schedules, I'm the one that usually ends up cleaning the house a lot of times. And I'm very particular about how I clean. And I have one, actually, actually I was cleaning this week and I thought, okay, I'm just going to explain this to y'all with a picture. So Dustin, I think, can you throw the picture of my cleaning technique? <laughs> only thing that works to, to beat the flu works each and every time. Um, anyway, other than that, I get excited in the spring. I love this time of year, this countdown toward Easter. And uh, starting next week, we're going to have a couple of really cool things going on uh, that I just want to mention real quick. Uh, first is that we're, our lobby is going to get a little bit of a makeover. So you're going to see some different things and uh, actually created a whole new ministry that's going to help us communicate better with you and for you to find out more easily what your next step is here at the church, how you can get involved. Uh, if you want to join a small group, a little more information about that and a new focus on welcoming you each and every morning and telling you how much that, you know, we really are glad that you're here. And the next thing that's going to happen next week is Tim's going to launch our Easter series. And I'm so excited for this because it's, it's all about where I was before I decided to trust Jesus with my life. I was full of all sorts of doubts about Jesus. And the series title is called From Doubting to Deciding. But the first week we just take on, um, I doubt that Jesus ever existed. And then we're going to talk about, I doubt that Jesus did miracles. You know, I, for a long time, I thought, well, there's got to be a scientific explanation for all of that weird stuff that supposedly happens in the Bible. And then third, we're going to talk about, I doubt Jesus can change lives, which is the biggest, biggest question. And then fourth, maybe you'll get to where I got to, which is I begin to doubt my doubts. And so grab a friend, um, bring yourself if you're anywhere in that conversation and, and dive right on in. It should be a really fun, really fun uh, series. But in between that, I want us to do a little work this morning because in that same vein, if you're anything like me and... Um, Admit it, we've probably all asked this question at least once. Why church? Why, why, why even do we do church? I mean, there's some mornings where I am just not ready to, to come in the building and hear a rock and roll guitar. <laughs> and I love rock and roll guitar. But it's not country music, so that makes it a little better. But just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, shout me down now. 
But it is reasonable, it's a good thing to ask because listen, there's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff out there and there's always different kinds of ways we can get together with people. I just joined Rotary a few weeks ago. Tremendous organization, deeply devoted to, to taking care of children here in Horry County. Internationally, they work to eradicate polio from the world. That's not a, that's not a bad goal. Their motto is actually service over self. That sounds a lot like some of the things we say here, right? And, and to be honest, I can go and have lunch once a week with some great people, and I don't feel any pressure to act a certain way, or I'm not going to get told anything about my life. And so, great organization, great ideals, easy, easy buy-in, why not? Or, when you consider, I love where we live. If you're lucky enough to live here, you realize you're on the edge of the world, right? I mean, not, not literally, because the world's not flat, right? <laughs> We're sure about that, right? But, but right down the street over here is the end of where land comes to. And I just, I just love that idea of the beach, and it's beautiful. Um, I don't get to see a lot of sunrises. My, that's my wife's department, but Dustin, throw up this picture. The, gore, the beach is gorgeous. You know, you can just, God's creation is written all over that. And his handiwork is so apparent. So why can't we just have church on the beach? Just walking on the beach by ourselves. You know, you can pray. And it's so serene. And it's so easy to meet God there. Why can't that be church? Because there's nobody that's a little too loud and... Nobody's singing off key anywhere around you, and <laughs> nobody's gonna say anything like, Wow, did you even shower today? Or <laughs> nobody's gonna hurt your feelings, nobody's gonna challenge you. It would be easy to do church on the beach, right? So, why church? I want to look this morning at a scripture out of 1 Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a, uh, a young leader in the church that the Apostle Paul was training to, to kind of raise up in the church. And he was going to become the uh, quote-unquote senior pastor of the church at, at, at Ephesus. And, and Paul's kind of giving him some direction and uh, trying to, to teach him uh, what's up, which... Uh, by the way, speaking of, of Timothy, there's actually two letters to Timothy that we have. We're going to be on 1 Timothy this morning. But um, shout out, if you were at IF, you spent some time, that's right, uh, you spent some time in 2 Timothy this weekend, right? I heard that was, that was pretty exciting. That was pretty cool. But we're going to be in 1 Timothy um, chapter 3, verse 15. And again, this is Paul telling Timothy, Hey, I'm going to come and be with you to get this church off the ground. Don't worry about that. But um, when I get there, I really want to be able to hit the ground running. So there's a couple things I want you to be up on. I want you to go ahead and read ahead so that you have an idea because we're going to do some important work. We're going to do some really good stuff, but I want you to know what's coming so we can do it well. And so he writes to Timothy and he says, if I am delayed... You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. 
Father, this morning, I just ask that you, that you give life and you give animus to your word this morning. Uh, Lord, that you come and, and grip our hearts. Um, Lord, with the, with the words that you have for us, with the message that you have for us, Holy Spirit, fall on us here, even now, and do your work. Do healing. Do reconciliation. Bring joy. Bring peace this morning through your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I don't know about you, but have you ever been, maybe you're helping out a friend or, or maybe you're, you're going to do something for your boss and you get there first and they're not there yet and sure enough the phone rings and you hear the words, hey man, if I don't make it in time, you know what that means, right? <laughs> they're not coming. You are now on the hook for all of this, right? It's, 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 it happens to me all the time. I'll be somewhere and I'm supposed to do something with somebody, and they're like, hey, man, if, you know, if I don't make it in time, I know right away that they're, they're not coming. And so Timothy is this young, young guy. We don't, we don't know if he's somewhere between 14 and, and 21 or something, but he's barely more than a teenager. And he's looking at becoming the senior pastor of, of a church that's fairly significant. And so he's already a little, got to be a little, you know, with some trepidation about this, a little fearful of, do, can I do this? You know, there's going to be people older than me. There's going to be people who have been around for a long time. And, hey, I, I, I know what happens to church leaders. They can get attacked and... <clears throat> Excuse me, and just kind of eaten up in the process. And so I'm sure he's at least a little bit worried about this. And then he reads these words, and I think his stress level probably went from about here to about here, right? Kind of like um, I can remember vividly the first time my dad threw me the keys and said, okay, your turn to drive. <laughs> Not long after I'd had my license, right? But then, then... I'm, I'm sure that once he took a breath, he was probably okay until he read the next part. And here's, here's the hot topic, right? How people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. That's, that's, that's a zinger right there. Hey, Timothy, you're going you're gonna to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. I left out of the story with the car keys that it was Friday at 4.15 in the afternoon and we were on the Washington, D.C. Beltway when Dad chose to do that. <laughs> and, and you just kind of turn around and there's this wall of traffic. I, I mean, I learned to drive in West Virginia, right? We, we have tiny little roads. <laughs> we don't have big roads like that. So you imagine where Timothy's stress level went to out of this. Because why? Because people love to be told how they ought to act, right? Who in here doesn't love to be told what to do? Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, you know, a first century Greek to, un to understand that nobody likes to be told that or, or a 21st century American because we don't like to be told how to do anything, do we? <laughs> uh, so it got a little stressful, but I, I just want to ask you this in, in that light. Who conducts you? Who conducts you? 
And let me give you a hint. If you're somebody that attends here a lot, this is the one time I'm going to say this. The answer isn't Jesus. Who conducts you? And this is your first fill-in. The truth is, is you conduct yourself. You conduct yourself because no matter what you believe, subscribe to, aspire to, pretend to be, wear the costume of, or imitate, you conduct yourself. You get up every morning and you choose to do you. And so, if you read the scripture carefully, it doesn't say, Timothy, tell them how they ought to conduct. It says that, Timothy, so that you know how they ought to conduct themselves in the household of God. And that's because what Paul is writing about, he's not talking about our behavior inside a building. He's not talking about even this gathering on Sunday morning. He's talking about God's household as if it were a family, as if it were a community. And every household comes with some expectations, right? I, uh, before I was married, I had a pair of roommates and, and they were married uh, to each other. And often the, uh, the uh, male, the guy, and I would end up with the same day off. And, you know, he played guitar, I kind of messed with guitar. And so either the guitars or Guitar Hero would come out and Time would get away from us and, you know, that would be all we did all day. And she would come home and there would be dishes that weren't washed and laundry that wasn't done and a, and a litter box that hadn't been taken care of. And, and here's what she would say. She would say, do you live here? Do you even live here? Those of you with teenagers may be familiar with this conversation. <laughs> right? Because every household has expectations. You can't just sit around on the couch all day. You can't just disrespect people in, in your family or in your community. They're going to tell you about it. And so Paul has laid out this list of criteria for people who want to be leaders in, in the church. And he says, Timothy, look for people with these qualities. And if you read, I'll tell you what. Go read the rest of this letter for yourself. Some of this stuff will challenge you greatly. Some of these words you have to take and chew on about behaviors that are, are okay and not okay for people who want to be deacons, elders, leaders, um, or even disciples of Christ. And it's a good thing to be challenged by that. But... There's something that Paul gives us that's even better than a list of things we should and, and shouldn't do that means so much more to us and even really gets to the essence of what he's talking about. In, in verse 16, he says this, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs... The thing we're trying to imitate, the thing we want to direct our lives toward is true godliness... Colon, he appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Who is he talking about? Jesus. <laughs> the standard that we are called to imitate, what we are trying to direct our lives toward is Jesus. Because he is the only guy that ever got this 100% correct. 
right? He's the only person that was able to live out a human life and be absolutely perfect. Now, what Paul is not saying that if our lives in any way, shape, or form fall short of perfection, then, then we're done. We're wrong. He is not calling us to a standard of perfection. He says this so that we understand one thing. Grace. That there is only one person able to live to that standard. God well knows that. And he solved that problem because instead of us having to meet that standard, Jesus met that standard for us. There was no way God would ever have called us friend if Jesus didn't do the work on the cross. There is no way Jesus is able to say that he is closer to us than a brother without the work of the cross. And we live in that grace. Our debt has been paid. The gulf that separates us from God has been shrunken to nothing. Grace is the entire, entire model for how we are to understand. You know, next week, we are going to take communion together. And I love receiving communion. It's, it's an awesome expression of, of how close and how much relationship we can have with Jesus Christ. But unless you have a good idea of grace and how we get to have that relationship, that's just another ceremony with some, some off grape juice and a, and a pressed piece of bread. And it's so much more than that. It is so much more than that. But again, if you do go back and do the work of reading the rest of this letter to Timothy, you'll see that list of things that a deacon and an elder and a disciple of Christ should, should look like. And it describes a few things. It talks about how we should care for widows. It talks about that we should be advocates for the defenseless. It talks about that we should come to the aid of those who are powerless. And if you sum all of these little things up, they look an awful lot like humility, unselfishness, forgiveness, joyful, grateful, generous, all wonderful, wonderful qualities. Why is that important? Why, why is it important that we look like that? It's, Paul tells us right here, it says, the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Your second fill-in is that we uphold the truth. Not a truth. We uphold the truth. That gospel message that I was just talking about is what we uphold. That's what we show to the world. John 3.16, this is what we point to. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then the kicker. This is, this is the tag on to that that we don't always have memorized. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. 
That's the truth that we uphold. And this is the truth that Jesus trusted to his church. And so Seacoast Vineyard Church has to be out doing things in our community to show God's love to people. We have to be advocating for the defenseless. We have to be empowering the powerless. We uphold the message of the gospel. We are who and how Jesus has decided to display himself to the world in and through us. A mighty foundation and a strong pillar. You know, the church, Big C, Big C, the universal church, he calls the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And many of you know that who you marry is one of the most important decisions you will ever, ever make. Because why? Because you are going to share with that person your deepest, darkest, most intimate desires, your plans for your life, your goals, dare I say, your secrets. That person is going to know more about you than any other person on the planet. And it requires a lot of trust. And it requires a lot of love. And that exactly is how much Jesus Christ loves and trusts his church. He loves us that much. He loves his church. He designed his church. He handpicked every single person who's in here. And see, a list of behaviors that we can go through there and say it's okay to do this and not to do that and okay not to do this and, and all of that, that's one thing. But to really get this, to really run after Jesus, to really be the church that is described as his bride, that requires our hearts. Because holding up the pillar of truth and being a foundation for it requires that we fall deeply and madly in love with Jesus Christ. Because if we are not going to be part of the pillar, then we're just a pillow. We're just something soft to sit on, right? So how do we do that? How do we do that? Where do we find humility besides the golf course? That's where I find it. Where do we learn how to do conflict resolution? How do you practice this kind of stuff? You know how? You get in a small group. You start a small group. You get with some people. See, this stuff only works with people. You can't do it alone on the beach. You can't do it a, a, a lot of ways. It only works with people. You know, and I'm sure you heard me talk about this before, but the first, first small group I ever joined, I walked in the host's house, flopped down on his couch and said, hey, I'm here because my girlfriend made me and um, I'm supposed to make friends. <laughs> and he said, well, welcome. <laughs> And true story, this is where I was then. This is, this is years ago. I still smoke cigarettes, okay? And so at, at the time I did. And so I actually, 
I lived in Surfside. This group met way up in Little River. And uh, I put an extra pair of clothes in a sealed plastic bag in my car so that I could smoke the entire way up 31, <laughs> stop in a restaurant and change my clothes so I could go in and not be ashamed of the fact that I smoked. True story. See, we come to this stuff where we're at. We come to it where we're at. We have no other choice. You know, if you go to a small group, the people in that small group are just like you. And I don't know, that might scare you worse, but... <laughs> you know, we all walk around with our stuff. I sat in that group, and one of the first weeks I was there, we celebrate a guy's anniversary of being free of cocaine. We sat in that group and listened to somebody just cry week after week because he and his wife wanted nothing more than to have a child. And he had had multiple radiation treatments for testicular cancer and was told there's pretty much no way he was ever going to father a child. I sat there and listened to a friend of mine talk about a relationship with his father that was so bad that he couldn't call him, but maybe on his birthday and Christmas, and even then, just about a 30-second conversation. So we prayed a lot. We prayed a lot in that group, and we asked God for things. But do you know what else I heard in that group? I heard somebody come in and say, I'm going to be a daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I heard after a couple of visits back home, a young man say, hey guys, my dad asked me to move back to live in the same town. He wants to make up. See, what if we did this together? What if we did this with each other? You know what if we did this with each other? Jesus. Jesus gets to be lifted up. Jesus gets all of the glory. Jesus gets invited into our lives to work. Jesus gets invited into our communities to do things. People get to meet the truth in person. That's what happens when we do this together. When, when we're willing to spend that time with each other, when we're really willing to say, why church? Because. So let's pray. Lord, we just come and I would just sit it, sit at your feet this morning. And and Lord, we just spend time with us right now. Holy Spirit, come minister to us, speak to us, talk to us, ask us who conducts us. Help us make some decisions this morning. Lord, if we're going to be a, a brick and a pillar. Lord, if we're called to run after you. 
talk, talk to us about where and who you want us to dive in with this morning, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts. 